Well, good morning and welcome to Front Range. My name is Jackie Yates, and I am so glad you're joining us here this morning. Whether you're joining us in person or you're joining us online, our hope and prayer is that you would um, uh, build community, discover your purpose, and grow in your faith in Jesus. And so before we get started this morning, I do want to let you know about a couple of things that we have coming up. First, um, we have a survey, and so Pastor Ernest walked us all through that last week. Um, This is something that we do three times a year, and we just survey everybody in the church, and this is kind of just our way of seeing how we can best help you, how we can best serve you, and how we can help um, help you grow in your faith. And so to access that faith journey, you can scan the QR code that's um, behind me on the screen. You can go to the website, or you can scan the QR code that's in your worship guide, this morning. The next thing I want to let you know is we have something coming up called Celebrate Recovery. And so living in a broken world, um, we all deal with a lot of life's hurts and hang-ups and there's habits, and no one has the ability, nor should anyone try to go through it alone. And so Celebrate Recovery is a Christ-centered, biblically-based 12-step program, and it's designed to guide um, all of us towards new healthy truths and healing. And so... um, We offer, it's a caring community environment, um, and it'll offer uh, tools to find freedom in our lives. And so we are looking for leaders to help with Celebrate Recovery. So if you'd like to sign up to help lead at Celebrate Recovery, you can just write Celebrate Recovery on your Connect card and put it in the offering boxes in the back on your way out this morning. Um, And so before we get started, why don't you join me in prayer today? Lord God, we just thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for this Christmas season we're entering into, and I thank you for the reminder of the birth of Jesus and what a gift that is. I just pray that you would speak to each one of us this morning. We thank you in your name. Amen. Um, So this Thursday, like Pastor Johnny said, we all celebrated Thanksgiving. And so for many of us, Thanksgiving marks the start of the Christmas season. So it's now, you know, appropriate to tell people in the stores, Merry Christmas. All the stores are decorated for Christmas. Um, And then there's going to be some of you who um, have completely bypassed Thanksgiving altogether. And as soon as the end of October 31st happens and you have swallowed down that last Reese's that you have stolen from your children's candy as a parent tax, um, you are like ready to hit Christmas season. You went right past Thanksgiving. Your house has been decorated for months. Um, You know who you are and you are wrong. Um, I am here to say this morning we are now officially in the Christmas season. It has now started today. So (laughs) um, growing up, my family always had um, Christmas traditions. One of those traditions as a child was we would decorate for Christmas the Friday after Thanksgiving. And so that's something we've tried to keep in our household. Sometimes it's not um, exactly the Friday after Thanksgiving, but we do wait until after Thanksgiving to decorate our house for Christmas. Um, We've also brought in this new tradition to our family um, where we go and we cut down our own Christmas tree every year. And this is something that honestly I never thought that I would ever do it like ever, ever, ever. Because number one, I hate the outdoors. Like I don't like hiking. I don't like doing any of that. So that's not fun to me. Um, And two, I hate being cold. Like today is the most miserable day today. And so when you go to cut down a tree, that involves both of those things. So I never thought that's something I do. But 
Um, seeing the memories that my kids are making and seeing the joy on their faces when they get to saw down the Christmas tree with their dad, um, it's, it makes being out in a freezing cold forest worth it in the moment. So those are some things that we do. And on our family, um, we have a lot of traditions and we look forward to them every single Christmas season. And this morning, I want to take a look at another Christmas tradition. Um, it's one that's more specific to the church and, the fo- and followers of Jesus, um, and it actually Actually starts next week, um, so we're getting, we're preparing for that. But this uh, tradition is called Advent, and for many of us, myself included, when we think of Advent, we think of those fun like countdown, like the 25 days to Christmas calendars. I think they make an Advent calendar for everything right now. Um, but actually, our children's ministry this morning is giving away these really cute Advent calendars. They have this fun um, sheet on the front that's got um, devotions that you can do with your family every day. And then, of course, it has um, what my kids' favorite part is, is the chocolate on the inside. Um, so make sure on your way out this morning, you pick one of those up for um, your kiddos. And um, you know, Advent, what it really means is arrival, and what it signifies is the start of an event or the arrival of a person. And so during Advent, this arrival that we're looking at is both the birth of Jesus and the return of Jesus. And in the fourth century, we see the first, um, the first records of Advent actually being celebrated. And in early on, um, Advent is it's a four-week time span, but early on, Advent focused on separated in two weeks, and it focused on two different things each week. And so the first two weeks was focused more on the second coming of Jesus. And then those second two weeks were focused on the birth of Jesus. And with Advent being a four-week season, it's mainly focused on the long-expected arrival of our Savior, Jesus. And so there's a lot that we can learn about Advent, and I want to encourage you, we have something at Front Range called our Series Hub, and you can find it on our website, you can get it on the app, but essentially it's got all kinds of resources for you to go. There's a a Bible reading plan on there, and there's going to be other information about Advent. If that's something you want to do to get more resources or join us in the Bible reading plan this season, um, I would encourage you to visit our website and uh, look up our Series Hub. Um, So many of us... um, you know, or there's many people who have something called Advent calendars, and those look a little something like this. Um, and what they do is each candle represents one of the four pillars of Advent. And the way that they're used is each week, you would light a candle in representation of one of those pillars that you are going to focus on for that week. And so maybe your family has a tradition already of celebrating Advent. Or maybe it came from your church experience growing up, or maybe you're sitting here today and you're just unfamiliar with Advent altogether. But that's okay. I really believe that there is a great opportunity for us during this season. And it's an opportunity for us to grow closer to God and to experience more of what He has for us. And this Advent season is a gateway to that. And so as we enter into Advent season, I want to look at the four pillars of Advent, and those are going to be hope, love, joy, and peace. And I want to look more importantly at how we can experience those in our lives. And so as we go, um, we're going to light each one of these candles. And the first um, candle we want to talk about in the first pillar is um, hope. And so today we're going to be looking at the book of Isaiah as we walk through these four pillars of Advent. All four of them are found throughout the entire book of Isaiah. 
And throughout this book, we see, the, um, we see this hope of God's promise, of this coming Messiah. And just a little back history on Isaiah. Isaiah was a prophet of God, and he went to Israel to tell them what was about to come. So God had showed him these things, and it was now his job to go and tell them what was coming. And the whole first half of the book of Isaiah calls for God's people to re repent. And it actually foretells of a captivity for the nation of Israel. So it's not like super exciting and fun. Um, but the second half of Isaiah is filled with so much hope. The hope of a Savior who would come to rescue his people. So let's look at what Isaiah has to say in Isaiah chapter 40, starting in verse 3. It says, Listen to the, it's the voice of someone shouting. Clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord. Make a straight highway through the wastelands for our God. Uh, fill in the valleys and level the mountains and hills. Straighten the curves and smooth out the rough places. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all the people will see it together. The Lord has spoken. So throughout the Old Testament, we see God's people waiting in anticipation for what was about to come for them. And then we actually see that there's 400 years that pass between the end of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament. And so for 400 years, God's people are waiting in anticipation for what was to come from these, and holding on to this hope from these stories that had been passed down from generation to generation. And actually, we see in the Old Testament, there are two Hebrew words that um, mean hope, but what it all comes together is hope is about waiting and expecting what is to come. And Christmas is a really big time of anticipation for kids, right? Um, they get super excited um, for what's about to come, this whole magic of Christmas. I've always loved Christmas my entire life, even as an adult, but I really love it a lot more now that I have kids and I, can, I see Christmas through their eyes and the excitement they get now that we're entering into that season of, you know, what are we going to, what, what's going to happen on Christmas Day, all the activities that we're going to do and all the things that we have leading up to Christmas. They get super excited excited about it. And I don't know about you guys, um, but our kids have been telling us, you know, what they want for Christmas since like August. So our children have been waiting in anticipation for a long time right now. Um, but it is really fun to watch how excited they get and see this like joy that fills their their hearts. But as an adult, I feel like it's easy to get, um, it's easy to lose this childlike hope, right? And this wonderment. Um, we get caught up in the busyness of the season. We're going from event to event or, you know, I have this work party and then I have this other Christmas party. And if you have kids, it's, we have this Christmas program. And if they have extracurricular things, we got to be part of this other Christmas program. Um, and so, um, the exhaustion of trying to get everything done, and there's even then the financial stress, right, of trying to get everybody everything that they asked for to make Christmas morning the most magical, special morning it could be. We're constantly thinking about how we're going to make this all happen. Um, but what if our source of hope wasn't based on our circumstances? In Romans 15, Paul writes, I pray that God, the source of hope, the source of hope. See, our life circumstances can put us in a place where we find ourselves without hope. But true hope comes from trusting God, even when our circumstances um, seem difficult. He is the source of our hope, and when we pursue him and we lean on him and lean into him, he will fill us with hope. The second pillar of Advent and the second candle here represents love. 
And so I want to continue in Isaiah chapter 40. In verse 11, it says, He will feed his flock like a shepherd, and he will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. He will gently lead the mother sheep with their young. So God showed his love for us through the gift of his son, Jesus. And throughout his life, Jesus walked in love with everyone that he came in contact with. I love the way that Isaiah uses this example of a shepherd leading his flock. And he says that this shepherd, he will carry the lambs in his arm. He doesn't just like carelessly throw them over his shoulder. Or if you're a parent and you've done that like sidearm hold when your kid is throwing a fit in a store and you're like, you just grab them and walk out. That's not the picture that we have here. He takes care to hold us and cradle his sheep in his arms close to his heart. He takes care to gather them together and he gently leads them where they need to go. He cares for the weak. And during his life, Jesus cared for others and he demonstrated this kind of love that we can receive through him. And it's also a love that we can share with others because we have received it. And just like a shepherd, Jesus cares for those that the world would otherwise cast aside. He saw the ones that went unnoticed. He saw the lesser than and the weak, but he's yet, he still loved and served them. You know, there's this thing, so we have three kids, and so um, I remember when our babies were born. There's this thing, it's, I think it's called like kangaroo care, but a lot of people know it as skin-to-skin contact. But when, you know, your babies are born, they hand them to you, and you don't hold them out like this. You hold them close to your body. You bring them in tight. And what this does for them is that it calms them and it relaxes them. It helps regulate um, the baby's heart and breathing. It helps them, it actually helps them adapt to life outside of the womb. When they don't, like it's all crazy and you hold them close, but it helps regulate their bodies. There's actually studies that show that skin-to-skin contact actually regulates a baby's body temperature as well. And this is what I picture when I think about this verse. When I think about this shepherd holding his sheep close to his heart, I remember, you know, after our babies were born and we took them home from the hospital, I remember nights when they would be either sick or they were just upset about something and they're screaming and crying and I would go in their rooms and I would hold them and I would wrap them in my arms and I would sit in this rocking chair and I would just rock them and hold them close to me. Sometimes it was for minutes and sometimes it was all night long. But what I did know is as I was holding them and helping them to feel comforted, that I wasn't going to put them down until I knew that they were going to be okay. And so for us, we can experience the love that God has um, for each one of us by simply drawing close to him. Even at our worst, God still loves us. God still desires to be around us. And he still wants to draw us in and hold us close to his heart. When we come close to God and we experience the love he has for us, it begins to change our lives and it begins to change how we live our lives. So the first two pillars, hope and love. And the second pillar that I want to talk about this morning is joy. And joy is an attitude we adopt, not due to our circumstances, but it's something that comes from the hope that we have in God. In Isaiah 52, starting in verse 8, he writes, The watchmen shout and sing for joy, for before their very eyes they see the Lord returning to Jerusalem. 
Let the ruins of Jerusalem break into joyful song. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. This holiday season, it can bring so much joy. But for some of us, it can be a really painful season. It can be a reminder of what we've lost this year, whether it was a mother, a father, a child, or a friend. It can be hard to experience joy when our life feels so dark and devastating. But in his letter to the Philippians, Paul writes, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. It's interesting that even in prison, Paul is telling the church to always be joyful. His circumstance wasn't great, yet he's sitting in a prison cell saying, always be joyful. Even in that verse in Isaiah we just read, it says, let the ruins of Jerusalem break into joyful song. What we see in these verses is that our outward circumstances do not need to dictate our inner joy. Our outward circumstances do not need to dictate our inner joy. Even in prison, Paul was full of joy because he knew that no matter what, even if his circumstance never changed, that God was with him. And that was enough to be joyful for. Even in our ruins, God is still with us. In the hardest of life circumstances, God promises to never leave us and to help see us through whatever it is that we're going through. I want to look back at that verse in Romans 15, where it says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy. That God would fill you completely with joy. When we place our hope in God, he will comfort us. He will bring us out from the ruins of our lives, and he will fill us with joy. So hope, love, joy. And the final pillar is actually one that I think we could all use today. And that last pillar is peace. In Isaiah chapter 9, starting in verse 6, it says, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Everlasting Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. So Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Oftentimes it's hard to find peace during the holiday seasons. We seem to be busier and busier, and the pressure to keep up can leave us feeling in distress. And it seems really funny to me that in a season where we are preparing and leading up to and getting ready for the arrival of Jesus, the arrival of the Prince of Peace, we still find ourselves living without just that peace. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then... You will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your heart and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. The peace that that God offers us is not something that we can understand or explain. It really is something that you have to experience in your lives. 
More than ever, it feels like we have more to worry about. There's always something new that we're supposed to be, we're supposed to care about or be concerned about that causes worry in our lives. But Paul reminds us not to worry. And he actually gives the answer to finding everlasting peace through God, and that's through prayer and gratitude. God wants us to come to him as our source of peace. He cares about every detail in our lives. And if you're like me, it seems easy to really just come to God when like the big situations happen, right? When it's like a major crisis, like there's a major illness in your life or in a family member's life, or maybe it's a financial struggle, like a huge thing has happened. So it's when those big things happen that we run to God and say, please help me. And here's the deal. God wants us to do that. He cares about those things. But the reality is God cares about all things. He cares about every detail in your life. So for 10 years, um, I was uh, blessed enough to be a stay-at-home mom, which was super fun. I loved every moment of it. Um, But we were starting to get to the season with all of our kiddos. About two and a half years ago, they were... um, they had all started going to school full-time. So Brandon and I prayed about it, and we just felt like that was a good time for me to start going back to work full-time. And through prayer and just seeking God, he actually provided a really amazing job. And so um, two and a half years ago, I started working full-time. And truthfully, the first six months of that were actually like really hard. Um, Going from being the stay-at-home parent and being the one in charge of everyone's schedules and if they have doctor's appointments or someone's sick or all the extracurricular activities, it was kind of, it was a little bit of a challenging transition um, from one season to a next, figuring out how we were going to balance out all of these schedules. And so that was a little bit challenging, but really the hardest part about that season for me was how much it affected my kids. More importantly, how much it affected our daughter, Charlotte. You see, Charlotte all of a sudden was, um, she had this like crippling separation anxiety. Like she would sob every time the thought of me having to work. I'd also like to point out, I work at her school, so it's not like I work far, but just this like mind shift for her that, I don't know, maybe I just wasn't at home readily available to like be there if they called. Um, It was hard for her. She had so much anxiety that she would actually feel like physically sick. She would get these like awful stomach aches that wasn't just I'm faking it to get out of doing something. No, she was physically ill. And it was hard as a mom to watch, like it's hard to watch your kids suffer, right? It's hard to watch them go through these things. And as I watched her do this, what really stuck out to me was for this sweet little girl, her life had been turned upside down. This was a big deal to her. And what I felt and thought in that moment was, this is my fault. I did this to her. In that moment, I failed as her mom. And that ate me up. I had anxiety and I had stress over it because all I kept thinking was, I ruined this little girl's life. And my one job is to love and protect her. And I messed that part up. And so I remember staying awake at night and crying out to God and saying, God, help me. What can I do to make this better? And when I came before God and I brought him those authentic feelings, I didn't hide my feelings. 
I told him, this is how I'm feeling. I have failed as a mom, my number one job, and I have failed. Help me. But it was in those moments, running into God's arms and allowing him to comfort me that I experienced peace. It isn't something that I can explain to you Step by step, this is what happened. But it's something that came over me, and I know that God's peace helped walk us through that situation. When I brought those fears, that anxiety to him, he moved in my life. And he gave me the the wisdom we needed to help walk Charlotte through that. And honestly, because I had taken the step and I had taken the lead to bring my fears and anxieties to God, I was able to walk my daughter through that same thing, but I had to do it first. I had to be the example for her. In those moments when I came to God, he cared. He cared. It may have seemed like a silly thing, but God cared because it mattered to me. He heard my cries at night. He cared when I brought my pain to him when I felt like a failure as a mom. And he filled my anxious heart with peace and he gave me the wisdom that I needed. See, God wants the best for me. He wants the best for Charlotte and I know he wants the best for you. He is the answer to our lack of peace. And there's a second part that Paul gives us to finding peace and that's through gratitude. God loves it when we come to him with the things that we need. He's like a dad. Like he wants us to run to him and say, God, help me. And he wants to wrap us up in his arms and say, yes, let me give you all the good things I have to give you. I want to fill you with everything that I have. But he also loves that we come come to him in thanksgiving and in gratitude for the things that he's already done in our lives. And I really believe this isn't something that God asks us to do to build his ego. I really think this is something that we we do because it reminds our hearts and our minds of everything that God has already done for us. It reminds us that God was there for me then. God didn't leave me. He didn't let me try and figure it out by myself, but he was there and he walked me through it. And if he walked me through it then, he's not going to leave me now. So it's that reminder for us that God is with us. And so as we continually pursue God through prayer and through gratitude, we will find a peace that doesn't change based on our circumstances. We will experience a peace that will last. And so hope, love, joy, and peace. This is what Advent reminds us of. This time of year can bring so much excitement But for so many of us, it can bring so much pain. It could be the loss of a job that's caused a a financial hardship on your family, that right now, just the struggle to put food on the table and to pay our regular bills is hard enough, but now the idea of having to buy gifts and all these extra things is impossible. And that can lead to so much stress in our lives. Or maybe this year you are walking through a loss. While others are preparing for family gatherings and setting their tables for all the family and friends that are going to join, you're thinking about the mother, the father, or the child that's going to be absent at your table this holiday season. 
We as a church, we recognize this, and this is why we created something called Surviving the Holidays. And I'll explain a little bit more about that in a minute. But I want you to know that you are not alone. You do not have to live without love. You do not have to live without hope. You do not have to live without joy. And you do not have to live without peace. Jesus came so that we can experience all of that in our lives. And it starts with acknowledging God as our source, coming back to God and laying down our hurts, our pains, fears, anxieties, understanding that we cannot do it on our own. And the only way for us to really experience all that God has for us is to have a relationship with him. He loves you. He sees you and he cares for you. He wants you to come to him and he promises to hear your cries and to fill your heart. Let's pray. Lord God, we just thank you so much for this morning. God, I thank you for the gift of your son. And as we celebrate this Advent season, God, I pray that you would use it as a reminder for us of what Jesus brought to this world, not just so that we can talk about it, God, but so that we can experience it, that we can experience all the goodness that you have for us, God. And I just pray this morning that if there is anyone in this room who would say that they are lacking in any of these areas, that you would move in their lives, that you would fill them with what they need, that they would not leave this room empty from what you have to offer them, God. And I just pray that you would remind us to come to you as, your, as our source for all that we need and that we wouldn't turn to worldly things, that we would continually turn back to you and bring our cares and concerns to you and remember to be thankful for the things that you have already done in our lives. And I do pray, God, for those in this room who, who don't know you, Jesus, as, your, as their Savior, and I just pray that you would move in their hearts, that you would draw them closer to you, and I just pray that every person in this room, that you would, um, she would just fill us, God, and that we would leave changed and different than when we walked in this morning. We thank you and praise you in your name. Amen.